Welcome back to the Security Asia podcast. This week, I am happy to have Zach Lichtblau with me again, once again. Zach is a lawyer and partner at the Bonard Lawson firm, and he is based here in Shanghai. We asked Zach to join us again to discuss some of the recent de- developments and updates related to the cybersecurity laws here in China. Zach was on the show a few months ago, where we went to detail on, um, on this topic and also GDPR, other related laws for around Asia and the world and, and those trends. If you want to listen to that, we will put a link in the show notes. So Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, it's great to be with you again on the podcast. Well, thank you for coming on. You know, um, this is one of those topics that it's important for the security industry to know. So um, we're happy to have your um, insights and commentary on this. And uh, so thank you for that. So tell us, so what's been going on? What are the updates? So we, we actually have two new draft uh, legislations in China. I think one of them was already out uh, last time we spoke. It was uh, released in July as the draft uh, data security law, but we didn't really talk about it. Okay. And then there's another draft legislation that's really recent. This from October, which is the Personal Information Protection Law, or sometimes called Personal Data Protection Law. And that was okay. released in October. These are, you know, we were talking last time about GDPR and GDPR is very comprehensive. And here in China, we kind of have more of a patchwork of different laws that are dealing, seem to be dealing with the same things. Mm-hmm. But the one that was, that, that we had up to now was the cybersecurity law. And, and a lot of the elements that are developed, further developed in these two draft legislation already appeared in the cybersecurity law. But I would say, like, if we look at them, then the data security law is dealing more in how to protect data generally. And uh, personal information protection law or personal data protection law, that would be more of the Chinese equivalent to the GDPR in the sense of focusing on, on personal data protection. I understand. So, yeah. so what does all this mean for companies operating in China? What are the juicy details? Well, we need to divide it into these two issues. So first of all, the data security law will deal with two main issues. That's the ensuring data security and securing China's national sovereignty over data. So um, it would expand the scope of the cybersecurity law and basically deal with anybody that's conducting data activities rather than what they were referring to in the past as as, uh, network operators. So anybody that's collecting data, storing data, processing, using, providing data, publishing data, they all are subject in one way or another to this very wide scope of legislation. But I would say that the data security law is still, it's, it's, it's still kind of vague. It's very, mm-hmm. it's very wide and um, it doesn't really specify the data that we're protecting. It kind of seems to be applying to all data or to critical data or important data, which are things that are still not very well defined. Do and, you think, um, sorry, do you think this continues to be like a work in progress for the Chinese government? In part, yes. But in, you know, in, in other parts, there's pur- purpose purposely to be vague <laughs> you, you yeah but you start seeing kind of things that are jumping out of the legislation at you that okay. tell you okay this, this starts looking like gdpr for example mm. and and i would say the data security the, the data protection law sorry the personal data protection law or personal mm. uh, information protection law mm. that one seems to be more 
similar to GDPR, and it does seem to show that China is taking that measure. They're even, they even put similar kind of uh, penalties in place, and it also uh, seems to have an extraterritorial aspect in the sense that it would follow these people that are handling data, Chinese data subjects outside mm-hmm. of China. The, the first law, the data security law, talks a lot about kind of what companies need to do in order to maintain uh, their data secure. And uh, they have to have certain people in place to manage the data and to mm-hmm. um, know the kind of measures that we were mentioning is like, this would be a good idea to, to have a system in your organization of managing mm-hmm. data and securing data. So these become now more of a legal requirement, or at least now, it will that, be when the law is passed. Is, is there any connection with the size of an organization? Because data is a broad subject. So if I'm a small company and I have a website, and that website is somehow collecting some data on my customers, then I, it seems like this would fall into these, um, uh, would have to be compliant with these laws. So does that mean I have to have a full-time person like based on this law? Or, or is there some other understanding of this? I would say yes, you would need, I mean, of course, it, it, it you do, it does change according to the size of the organization. There would be bigger requirements the more data you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can see it also, like if we're talking about the data localization requirement, which is now, you know, we, we started talking about it last time when we talked about the cybersecurity law, uh, that there's kind of a, a very vague requirement to keep the data local in China and that when data leaves the country, it needs to go through some sort of... Um, of a security review, which is right. something that wasn't even really clarified. You can right. see that that's actually the, 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 the laws now, the, the draft legislation is talking about putting some sort of limit in terms of the volume of data that is being transferred out of China. But the, 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 the limit is still not specified. But basically, the idea would be if you're transferring data which is more than a certain number of pieces of data that are being transferred out of the, uh, the country, a certain volume that you're, that you're going through, and you're regularly or uh, transferring that data out of the country, you will need to get certified by the Chinese authorities for being able to transfer that data. Mm. Uh, but it seems that below the threshold, which again is not specified yet, so it would be interesting to see what it is, Okay. Um, you'll probably be okay with with just having some sort of an agreement with the receiving party overseas, kind of an undertaking that they will deal with the, with the data with the same requirements uh, that, that you are dealing with it in China or under the same uh, security requirements. Mm. Okay. That's but I think it's it's really yeah it's really interesting also to see how how similar the personal data protection law is to GDPR, how much it draws from it. So everything that we talked about last time, as I said, is always relevant to to every company in the world because almost anybody is dealing with data that's potentially belong to a Chinese, to a European uh, citizen. But it seems like the GDPR is basically putting the very, sorry, the, 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 the Chinese legislation is basically putting very similar kind of requirements in China. So, Companies need to be ready uh, when this passes. I'm, I'm assuming that there's going to be a period where companies would, would have to adjust. It looks like we're going to have a kind of a, our own GDPR in China. I'm sure there's some really distinct differences at the same time. I mean, this is the law seems to be around controlling the companies operating with data in China. And 
maybe probably a little bit less around the actual protection of individual rights uh, for their data? Well, surprisingly, no. There is in, in the personal information protection, there is, a, there is actually a focus on the individuals and on personal data. With the big, um, with probably with the big exception of the government, though. That's also unclear. It, it does unclear. seem that, the, that, that, that there is some protection from the government. So there's definitely ways around it. The law does, uh, the draft law, I should say, uh, applies to private data handlers, but also imposes restrictions on state organs handling personal information. So mm-hmm. they're limited in the use of information only to the extent necessary to fulfill their statutory duties. Mm-hmm. And they're prohibited from sharing personal information except as prescribed by law. But okay. this so, is something that would be very interesting to see how it would develop because, of course, right. you could prescribe by law a lot of things and then just give very wide scope to, uh, to those uh, government authorities. But yeah, but, but maybe it's giving some discipline in the system. Like, uh, so some, you know, some low-level official doesn't, doesn't abuse that to some degree. So I guess that's a step in a good direction, generally speaking. Yeah, yeah, and and again, this is I guess when you're dealing with um, when you when you have these rules in place, it's uh, it sends a message as well. It, it, it sends a message message throughout the you know throughout the bureaucracy, like right. okay, you need to handle this with care. Now, of course, it's China is not really famous for having you know a lot of uh, uh, a legal system that really operates as a as a check yeah. on the government itself. It's not, uh, there's no like very established uh, uh, constitutional uh, law cases in China that you can see like uh, individuals suing the government and winning or even suing the government to begin with. You know, it's not mm-hmm. something that's, that happens. But I think that it's more of um, the fact that it's in legislation may be a tool for the government to impose rules within the bureaucracy and, and just right. basically tell people that, you know, you cannot do this. You cannot just right. take people's information and use it against them. That's against the law. So maybe they will be subject to some sort of administrative um, punishment. Right. So it, it is definitely a, a positive development. Well, I guess we'll have to see how it unfolds and uh, what all this means over the next several years. Yeah. But, ba- yeah. but back to um, back to the actual companies. What else? What else do companies need to know? What are some of the highlights that companies need to know, or, or how could they be better prepared, or what are the risks, or any 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 risks that you uh, would like to share with us? Well, I think the first thing is that they need to be ready to basically have similar standards to GDPR, but in a Chinese context. Explain what, what do you what do you mean by that? Explain that. So, for example, uh, making sure that uh, you get consent when you uh, collect data from individuals. All of those things need to be in place. And consent is in the European context, not so much like in the American context. So it needs to be explicit. Uh, mm-hmm. In certain places, if it's certain sensitive information, like information relating to uh, race or ethnic origin, uh, these things... Uh, you definitely have to have some sort of opt-in, tick-the-box kind of thing, not, uh, not give uh, people, not just assume that people are joining because they, you know, they clicked a button. They need right. to know specifically what they're giving you. And they have the rights. They have rights that are very similar to the rights on the GDPR. So they have the rights, the rights to know uh, that you've collected information from them. They have the right to be able to correct that information. 
the right to, uh, to request a copy of it. So you need to be able to store the information properly in a way that you can easily reproduce it for the person that, that's requesting it. Mm. And, um, and they can also ask to transfer the information to say if it's from between different service providers. So you need to be ready for all of that. And, and that I would say, okay, you, if you were GDPR compliant and if you were applying it worldwide, so maybe you were already behaving like this in China, even though you weren't required to, then you also need to take into consideration the whole, the whole uh, data localization issue, which uh, seems to be a bit stricter, um, mm. but we still are waiting to see how it would develop. So it would be interesting to know what the actual process is, which these government departments that are dealing with, with data protection are going to be doing in order to review uh, you know, cross-border transfer of data. I would say it's also important to think like, okay, if I'm an organization and I have I'm collecting data, let's say, on my customers or my employees in China, and that data is being sent to headquarters, then it may be good to have an agreement between my Chinese entity and headquarters relating to the transfer of that data and how the data is being used, uh, which basically would, would, would um, subject uh, headquarters to the same standards that are applicable to the Chinese entity uh, when it comes to handling data. So... That way, so that, the Chinese entity, it's more of a protection for the Chinese entity. Right, it's more of a protection like, for the Chinese entity. That's what I thought, yeah. Okay. And I understand there, there, there's more about fines as well. Is that true? Yes. So there are fines. There are both legislations are talking about fines and uh, penalties. We were talking about the data security law. They mentioned fines of uh, up to 1 million renminbi for, mm-hmm. for certain offenses. And there are also... Uh, administrative, civil, and criminal liability that could be attached to offenders. And there we're talking about, you know, more like companies that don't have a proper data security system and that um, are are negligent in the way that they handle data. Of course, serious offenses would probably be uh, relating to data leaks or, or where certain harm is caused to individuals. And when they say, Zach, when they say cybersecurity, are, are we referring to like the nuts and bolts of, of that? Like making sure we have firewalls and, and, and safeguards against um, hackers uh, per se? Or is, that, is that what they're talking about? Are they trying to put some standards around that? And what does that mean? It's not really clear. Like mm-hmm. it's never really clear in first drafts of legislation. But I think it's definitely an opportunity for cybersecurity providers with all, of course, they would always need to look at limitations in terms of what they can and cannot do in China. But right. it is an opportunity in terms of offering security systems to to companies that would require them, that would need to show that they have that they have a, a good uh, control over their data and a good way of organizing their data and making sure that it doesn't leak. So that's one part of it. And uh, of course, firewalls and, and other, you know, more uh, network-related uh, ways of guarding the data. Right. That's more from cybersecurity law already deals with it a little bit. Not, not are there any? Sorry, are there any um, legal requirements to report any breaches uh, to to a systems of a company has they know they've been hacked and there's some this impossible breach? Do they legally have to report that? to the authorities? I haven't seen it, but I don't, I'm, I'm not sure that it doesn't exist in the legislation. So I might need to dig a little bit deeper okay. into that because there's definitely, in, if, we, if we talked about the European version, GDPR, there is a 
there is a requirement to report any leakage that, that you find. If you find right. a leak, you need to report it immediately to minimize the damage. I have to admit, I didn't really see that, but it could be that it's there and I just missed it. But did, did wanna, you mention that there's yeah. some sort of authorities that will, that will check, that, that will be checking on the companies? Yes, yeah, so there is an administration. There is a government administration that will that basically deals with the. Um, when we're talking about, it's mentioned a lot when it talks about uh, the transfer of data, the cross-border transfer that that you would need to go certification mm-hmm. by by the by the government, the relevant government body. But I assume that they will be doing a lot more than that. So there would be the authority that you would report to if you identify somebody that's not complying with the law and then they would be they would be the one that are in charge of enforcing right. the, the regulations okay so yeah so it seems like generally speaking companies all over the world wherever they're operating should start thinking about complying in generally with some sort of flavor of, of a gdpr type of uh, regulations Every country probably has something similar, but of course you have the big gorillas like Europe, like China, for example, and, and yeah. the U.S. will probably come up uh, with its own version at some point as well. And it seems like regardless, even if there's not a legal requirement, it's good for companies to appoint a person, either a dedicated person or a um, or not, uh, that's yeah. sort of looking over this and monitoring this. It's sort of like that internal champion for this type of effort. And it may, it may not necessarily be the legal person. It might be a security person, for example, or some other person. Would you, would you agree with that? It definitely. And, and it's, it, is a, it is a requirement already. And, mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's a requirement that's going to come to light in this, if, when this legislation passes. Because you would need to be appointing specific personnel to deal with data security and to do a periodic risk assessment. And again, it could be something that would change depending on the size of the organization. That's maybe a bit not clear at this moment, but it does seem that this is going to be a serious issue. In China, always when we have a new legislation, we're always waiting to see how the implementing regulations will, will, uh, you know, will give us right. more data on its actual enforcement. But the direction is already there. So I would say you should start getting prepared and you should start making sure that, that you have control over your data in your organization. You organize it, it would be much easier and much simpler to, to deal with the legislation when it's, it's actually passed. So I was going to ask you, actually, have you seen any um, trends on the, on the enforcement side? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. No, we're we're kind of we're still. Uh, the, usually, the, the you need to you need the legislation to pass before there's enforcement. But it's uh, it kind of paves the way to where the enforcement is going to be. I, I think that it's definitely the, the fact that, that this legislation seems to be a lot more detailed than than the previous legislation. I mean, for me, that's kind of a prelude that China is taking this issue very seriously and. Uh, and I think once it's passed, the enforcement will follow very quickly. So, based on all this, uh, any other trends are that you can that you're seeing or that you can share with us? I mean, it's more of an anecdote, but um, you know, the, there's something in, about in both these legislations that it mentions uh, that uh, China would is empowered. The legislation empowers the government to adopt retaliatory measures against other countries that impose discriminatory prohibition on China relating to data. 
That's a and, big, that's uh, a broad, me, <laughs> that's, it's a, very, that's a yeah, big it's net. Kind of, <laughs> it's a very big net. And I think it's kind of there more as a sign of the times, you know, that we're, right. that we're seeing, uh, we're seeing trade uh, disputes and we're seeing very, uh, a conflict with the U.S. and China and some other countries in China where, where China is kind of being portrayed as a, either as a, as a bully or as a company, uh, as a country that says, um, that needs to be restrained. And, uh, and it's more of a kind of a China asserting in itself in the legislation saying like, you know, if you mess with China, China is going to mess with you. Which is not really necessary in this kind of legislation. But it's like, but it's giving a message, like you're saying, also within the bureaucracy itself and with anybody that any of the China watches out there. Yeah. And also, nationalism is a very galvanizing force. So it's kind of something that's, it's a a double edged sword, you know, too. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of, it's interesting to see that there because I was thinking, like, this is not really necessary. You don't really have to say it in this legislation, but uh, you can already do it now. You don't need this legislation to do it. But right. um, more sending a signal because uh, I assume that, that especially since um, since you could also read this legislation in a way that's like, uh, look, China is protecting individual rights. It's like it's human rights that China is, is actually legislating here. It's meant to kind of draw the attention also of other hmm. uh, viewers in other countries. And then I think that those kind of clauses in both legislation are there to show, just show, you know, China means business. And if you're bad to China, China's going to be bad to you. So right. be well, careful. Hopefully there'll be peace because we, we, we can't afford these trade wars or any other war. So yeah. just, just looking, sort of recapping here a little bit, thinking about what companies can do. And these are companies of all sizes, really, from, the, from smaller to larger if I sort of summarize a bit, I would say, first of all, become aware of what's going on or become aware of the needs or the requirements. So educate yourself. Second, possibly to appoint a person. It doesn't just have to be a dedicated person, but appoint somebody that's sort of overseeing this, an internal champion. And third, possibly to do some sort of risk assessment to know where do you stand. And this could be an internal exercise. You don't have to hire people for this necessarily. To do a risk assessment in terms of where your weakness is or where you can possibly fall short of this. Because you don't, you know, again, we don't know how this is going to be enforced. And, and possibly there, the beginning, at the beginning, there'll just be warnings and stuff. That may be the, you know, the way, the, the mode of operation. But if you're doing business in China, it doesn't matter if you're a local company or, or a so-called foreign company, you, you want to try to play by the rules as much as you can. You don't want to give any excuse. It's hard enough to do business without giving, making it harder for yourself. So is that a, would that be a fair sort of summary? Yes. Yes. I couldn't say it by myself. Okay, great. Completely agree. Okay, great. So is there anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? No, I think that mainly when you think about uh, securing data, I think you should be aware of what data you have, how do you obtain it, and making sure that that there are proper procedures in place, both to how you obtain the data and how you maintain the data, and then how you use it. If companies are interested, can they reach out to you? Yes, definitely. So okay, I think, so um, I'll add I'll add your contact details to our show notes and uh, your email and everything, uh, just just uh, so they can have that. And once again, I, I know most of our listeners are in the security industry, um, and I want to encourage all of our listeners if you're if you're in a security position, doesn't matter if you're a security director or any, any player within this role, is to be a champion in your company, speak up, try to be part of the solution. 
educate yourself and uh, talk to other managers to help your company be a stronger company on all fronts of security and be compliant with the laws. Would it be okay to maybe invite you again a couple months later to, to do another recap? And maybe we can do this every few months just to um, sort of see what what's going on around the region or in China in terms of um, legal aspects that may impact uh, security for companies? Sure, definitely. And, and we'll be continuing to follow this uh, draft legislation. And I'm, I'm assuming it's going to become legislation soon. Well, that's great. And, uh, and we'll definitely do an update once, uh, once we see how the final uh, laws are uh, forged. Well, we definitely know that China is going to have bigger weight around a region, regardless of what your view on that is. And yeah. um, these, re- these sort of recent trade packs that we're seeing that are around a region will probably just sort of solidify uh, some of this. So these rules will likely have influencing in other regions as well. So if you're looking at a smaller country like Vietnam, for example, these, all these countries are going to be influenced by this one way or the other. China is going to be one of the influencers. No, Europe might be another one. So it's really good to be to educate yourself on these on these developments because they're not going to be going away. That's for sure. No, not anytime soon. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, Zach, uh, thank you so much. And um, stay safe, my friend. Thanks. It's a pleasure. You too. Bye-bye.